Hi, and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and I'm here with Michael, and we're doing a little pre-intro recording because I was listening to, I was editing this episode this morning, and I realized that the um, there's something wrong with it, but there's or something, something really so right with it. Yes. <laughs> so we keep listening to it. Just this this part in the beginning, it's hilarious, and uh, so we we're keeping it in. But we thought we would just talk about why we're keeping it in. Oh yes, for sure. I. I here we are talking about galactic contact in, uh, in this episode, um, um, aliens. Uh, and uh, I've had so many technology disruptions with, uh, so, you know, with contact experiences over the years. So now what follows here is, is Kara called me this morning and she's like, there's something wrong with it. I'm like, oh no, you got, we got to leave this in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we have what follows is an episode we recorded a couple weeks ago in its entirety, exactly as it's recorded. Right. And this is the same equipment we use all the time. There was nothing new. We weren't zooming. We were live. I've never... We're coming up on 100 episodes here for the Meditation Conversation, and I've never had anything like this come through where, and, and everything was fine in real time. Yep. Like, I had no idea that anything was even wrong with it until I went back to edit it this morning. So um, it's fascinating, and it's hilarious. So we we were just listening to it again before we started recording, and we were just laughing so hard. So I hope that... You enjoy it. As much as we do. Yes. And that you can kind of, you know, um, maybe embrace... Uh, the irony. Yes, exactly. Exactly. This this might be a little wink from the, our galactic families. So enjoy. And welcome to come to come to I'm your host, Kara Goodwin. And today I have Michael Massey. Hi, Michael. Hi, Kara. Hi, everyone. So this is going to be this is going to be a fun one, and we're going to kind of go out on a limb a little bit with this. So the topic today is aliens or galactic, um, and so I broached this proposition with Michael a couple of days ago and I was like I feel like we should talk about galactics and uh and 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 so that's so that's so that's so that but uh but it risky because 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 cut yourself out there you know of um there it feels like a a topic that that a lot of people are resistant to and that there's so much, um, I, there's a lot of judgment. I feel frankly, you know, when, when, uh, if you don't believe there seems to be a lot of judgment, uh, for people who do. And so you are kind of like, it feels a little bit vulnerable to bring it up. So, um, but at the end of the day, you know, this is totally an opt in, experience. You choose the episodes that you want to listen to and nobody's forcing you to listen. So if it's not interesting for you, then you just move on. But I think um, that there is some really valuable information that that we could get into here. Um, and I myself really didn't think a lot about um, Galactics, or I guess I should say that I had sort of made my mind up until, you know, even in 2020, I'd say I went into 2020 with a lot of doubt about aliens and, um, and it just wasn't something that I really put much energy into because I had sort of been swayed out of it. Um, 
But last year I watched the documentary um, Unacknowledged by Dr. Stephen Greer. And he also did Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. I watched that as well. You can find those on Amazon Prime. I'm sure other places too. But I know at the time that I watched it, Unacknowledged was free with Prime, at least here in the U.S. Um, and that was very eye-opening and, and uh, very good, very well done. Um, and it really, you know, and I guess I have always throughout my life I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth because I know that I have been interested and curious about galactics forever, but just over time, I started to kind of get, be, you know, convinced that it was, it was not real. Um, and so that was kind of one of the, the last, (laughs) the most recent dominoes to fall, I guess, in my in the, the fortress that I have put up of all the things that I knew to be true and not true that has come crumbling down in the last however long. But um, anyway, so if this topic is interesting to you, I highly recommend um, Unacknowledged. But um, again, thinking about myself, um, I was a child in the 80s. And, um, and I remember there being like, there was a lot of, of, I don't, I don't know if you would say in pop culture or just like in the, in the population, in the mainstream, there was a lot about aliens at that time, a lot of fear, a lot of, um, movies like big, big movies and, oh, (laughs) you're looking at a poster that we have. In this room of E.T., yes, that was... was a big 80s, yes, Yes, right, and then the movie Aliens, and and lots of... um, And there was that uh, TV show, too, V. I I thought you were going to say ALF, but... Oh, no, no. (laughs) The V, the miniseries, that had all... What is it about the... I don't know that one. You don't... I don't remember it. That one, that was... um, Yeah, these uh, aliens... Uh, show up they're human looking but it turns out they're actually reptilian um like human skins um and um, it leads to a whole you know resistance movement of the war of the worlds kind of a thing okay and then there were like crop circles and there were a lot of stories of abductions alien abductions and i feel like that was like a, a fear and of course i was a child so you know you kind of I guess the world seems smaller and it seems more likely that you're going to be, you know, abducted by aliens if that's a thing that's going around. Um, But I feel like, I don't know, I'm curious about your perspective if things have evolved like in over the last 30 or 40 years as far as what the um, interaction is between the galactics and humanity and this planet um, versus just, I've, I've gotten older. And so like the, the things that I have, that are in my reference fields, you know, have changed and, uh, yeah, I think, well, we have probably in more recent years, thanks to the history channel, Mm -hmm. the ancient aliens. Yeah. Okay. I've heard about this. I think I've seen one or two of them. Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty pretty popular show now so um it has at least brought into um kind of the mainstream is it's it's just way more acceptable to just to even have a conversation like this mm-hmm. than it was i think even a decade ago and um the more and more people are opening up to talk about strange things that they've seen in the skies um and um then we've also had some some stuff hit mainstream news too we one was just a few days ago last week actually where um (laughs) and this was nbc news covered it um on their evening news um uh, the strange blue light that showed up um, over Oahu. I didn't hear about this. I heard about the radio signal that they that was. There's a mysterious radio signal that's been 
picked up. But okay. okay, so tell us about the blue light. Yeah, this is like this blue light, and it's like dropping down. Um, doesn't look like you know anything we're anything familiar with. Earthly, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, it was funny the NBC anchor. I think they covered this story on Saturday night, and the. So he had the weekend anchor, mm-hmm. and it says the FAA reports that there was no, you know, you know, no aircraft, no in the area. area or anything like that. And then he just looks at the camera with this, like, <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't and like the, blank, blank, like, just, yeah. I have and nothing. nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. look at the picture. It <laughs> says everything. <laughs> and, uh, oh, oh, it was a little funny moment there. I got a good chuckle out of that. Um, yeah, what can you say? Um, I think um, there's been some some DOD release of, of uh, footage of, of strange craft. Uh, that, that, that was... Um, DOD being Department of Defense, uh, and that came that was that was released last April or something like that. I uh, think there were a lot of FBI the, files and stuff that have been declassified, or CIA or whatever that have been declassified over the years yep. related to this, and it's accessible yeah. by the public. Yeah, and um, and I think it's like tons and tons and tons and tons of documents just overwhelmingly it's not like we're talking like 12 documents it's like yeah 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 um and so this you know i mean the first sighting i ever had personally was i um i just i just left after being a year in boston and i was driving back across the country relocating back to southern california and I had just crossed over the New Mexico to Arizona border. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, mm, uh, it was early morning, five, maybe 5 o'clock or so. And so around 5 a.m., still dark. And I remember just seeing what looked like it was just a star. Mm-hmm. Right ahead, I was just—it was a pretty bright star, so I noticed it. Mm-hmm. And and then um, it's just sitting there, and then all of a sudden it just just zooms. It just goes and it sweeps across the sky like a thirty, about a thirty or forty-five degree arc across the, in just a flash, just mm-hmm. and was I would have. Like, just thought that was maybe a meteor mm-hmm. or, a, you know. Yeah. If it hadn't been just sitting there. Yeah. You, okay. Just still, still before. before. Right. And um, and th- then I was like, whoa, what was that? Right? Yeah. Now it has my attention. And then I then I see all of a sudden, uh, it, well, it had shot across the sky and then just blinked out. Okay. <laughs> then all of a sudden another light just appears. What? Yeah. And... Right about the same spot the, the uh-huh. first one was. Now I'm really, I'm really watching, and I'm like, okay, what is it? And then it zoomed the other way. It shot across really? the sky the other, uh, other direction. The same thing, like a 30, 40 degree arc, and then. And then gone. And then gone, and. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because. Um, so that was my first, that was my first real UFO sighting. And it, it's, uh, ah, you know, all the first time, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's always special. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking, how did you feel? Were you afraid or were you like excited? I was totally or? excited. I was totally excited. And, um, I, um, uh, I needed to stop for gas. Um, anyways, and I just come across the Arizona border and there's, um, there's a big old whatever gas stop 
you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's five o'clock in the morning. You know, I, I was like, I parked and like ran in there like, like, <laughs> hey, did, yeah. I gotta hey, tell did anybody, did anybody yeah. see that? <laughs> You know, like, like this was, it's like to, fluorescent to, lights. To me, and I was like, I was like, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be on the headlines and, and, you know, the whole world has just changed, you know, yeah. just like that. And, um, like, yeah, yeah, I was, I was just kind of like giddy, like a kid. And, uh, of course, you know, like. I had to quickly come to terms with. Uh, I, th- I think I might have been the only one that, yeah. that <laughs> witnessed saw that. that. I'm like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, ah, wow. well, yeah. And it would be, after that, it would be many years before I saw anything else that was strange in the sky. Um, and then it would then it'd be fast forward to. Uh, my time in Bloomington out at Lake Monroe. And yeah, so the story you just told was before uh, your was, awakening. And, and yeah, this was back in 2002. And your awakening was like 2010. 2009-10. Okay, yeah. so this was years before. before so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, the it, yeah it wouldn't be and then till till my time spending out at Lake Monroe and watching the sky. Now anyone out there, if you want to see a UFO, there's two main things that you want to do. Okay, I've got my notepad. Okay, um, first off is you just. You gotta wish it. Okay. Be open to it. Okay. Right? Yeah, so you gotta want it. All right. And then two is you gotta look at the sky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, yeah, I've never seen any UFO. I'm like, yeah, do you, do you uh, go out and stargaze very often? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty tall order. I guess you're <laughs> yeah. Come into wait, my waiting. living room yeah. and get right in front of the TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, totally you want to, you, you got to give them a chance to show themselves. Right. You got to meet them halfway. <laughs> At least get outside. <laughs> Look up. <laughs> yeah. And um, and what, what happens is, is, is the more you watch this guy, then the more you... You start to notice things like, um, like uh, plane mm-hmm. routes or whatever flight paths, I should say. You mm-hmm. get to know that. So you stare at this guy, you know, every night for a year. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the you, you path. start to get yeah, no flight paths. Uh, you might pick up um, uh, satellites and mm-hmm. you know. You know the movement. It's, yeah, yeah, you get to know the uh, the constellations and mm-hmm. what your main stars and stuff are. And, and the more you, yeah, acclimate, yeah. expose yourself to that, then it becomes easier to, to pick out anomalies. Like, wait a second, what is that? Mm-hmm. And, um, um, you know, some of the things I kind of find is that... Um, Certain lights in the in the sky, they might look like stars. The more you kind of look at them, and they might they start twinkling at you. You know, that's kind of a that's a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, stars twinkle. They do twinkle. Little um, ones do. They twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> twinkle. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. And we'll come back to that because there's a um, when the star is twinkling at you, pay, and then pay attention. It's like it's talking to you. Mm. Um, or you see uh, a number of times um, uh, I'd see a star like twinkling at me 
but then then the closer I look at it, then it starts moving. Mm. And it'll move and say it's like the zigzag pattern that uh, is, uh, you know, it's letting you know it's not a mm-hmm. satellite. Hmm. Um, and um, now I've had I had one particular one um, is. And, and if you need to, like, do this, like, alone because you're embarrassed or something, is talk talk back to them mm. and start to see what happens. To Are we talking about twinkling stars or, or it, if you see something, something in the like sky that ca- catches that your eye. eye? Yeah. So you mean speak out loud with your voice signature? Sure, sure. Or, or, or just mentally? Mentally, uh-huh. whichever you're most comfortable with. But, mm-hmm. um, hey, people talk to their pets. They talk to... I don't know what you're cars. talking about. They talk to their <laughs> like, You know, we talk to all kinds of things. <laughs> and just using the voice and, and uh, to talk to the sky. And why not? You know? Um, and, um, uh, but I started experiencing certain things happening um, where uh, where, uh, there'd be the materialization of these like triangular shaped craft and... So you're talking to the sky, there's nothing in the sky yet, and then something appears. Yeah, or, and... So tell us a little bit about like what... What sorts of things are you projecting? Like the, the desire for something benevolent to appear? Or what? Yeah. As um, an example. Just, it's sort of like um, you just, it's like put, putting out a little, um, like what you might do um, on a ham radio or something. You know, the, the breaker breaker, you know, is there anybody out there kind of uh, okay. just a, Anybody? Anybody? Just out there? anybody. Well, you can be specific if you want, I guess. But well, I'm just thinking low, if there are lower. Is there anybody out there? Um, but if there's, well, because I guess you could have lower forms of interference and higher forms of benevolence. So I don't know if you're if you're new to this kind of stuff. Do you want to be? Careful or specific? Um, uh, when it comes to just spotting these things, you know, um, does it matter so much? I don't know. Tell it me. It depends, Tell I us. guess, on what you're after. You know, um, if you just want signs of life, you know, mm-hmm. in the sky, uh, and um, and typically what happens is you're gonna you're gonna automatically attract. Um, whatever uh, is it in, in resonant frequency to whoever you are. So if you're, um, if your orientation, you know, is towards, um, towards love and light and things that are good and, and, uh, and sweet and, and, and uh, peaceful and all that, then that's, that's who you're going to, okay. that's who you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Making contact with, um, I remember one <clears throat> time, and, and it's 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 fascinating too as well because these, uh, the, uh, the the craft and whoever's uh, aboard them are much more advanced than we are. Um, humanity is uh, in terms of you know they have like a quantum sensors that. Can. I want those. What? I want those. Yeah. They, Can you get them at Montgomery Ward? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they know exactly who's watching them and who can see them and who cannot. Mm. So um, I remember one time I had a, was a gal I was dating. We didn't last much longer than 2009 because, yeah, anyways. But she was um, with me out at the lake. Mm-hmm. And we're 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 lying on on uh, t- 
top of these picnic tables that were next to each other. And she had just closed her eyes. And I spotted what, what I sometimes call is a high mover. So it's one of these kind of zigzaggy craft that's way in the kind of the upper atmosphere. And, um, uh, and so I spotted it. And sure enough, and it's, it's kind of coming in. It starts to get a little bit brighter. And then, um, so I just, telepathically, I just said, hi, you know, I just, that's, I just, mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, I see you, hi. And, and it, it, it spotlighted me. It, it, it got, it changes. Whoop. Really? Yeah, it came about, mm, about a third the size of the moon. All really? Of a sudden, yeah, oh it went from gosh. a little speck in the sky to all of a sudden, boop. About a third the size of the moon, just this big bright light, wow. and and I I'm like I I nudged my gal at the time. I'm like, hey, you gotta check it out, and she goes, what? And as soon as she opens her eyes, it it, it disappeared, and she's worried. like, what? What? And I'm like, ah, oh. I guess that was just for me. And so this is one of the things too is is is. It's tough to go UFO spotting with anyone else because of this. Because the things will reveal there are generally just for you, which is a bit of a rub because we always want to... Share. Yeah, we want yeah. to have... Hey, did you see that? Yeah. Also. And and occasionally there, there are sightings such as that. There was a big one, um, the lights over Phoenix. I don't know if you remember that from back in the late 90s I think it was where I there think was I've heard of that I've dozens that. of these lights in the sky and it was and a it was mass it, sighting yeah it was witnessed by thousands of people mm -hmm. my grandmother was there in Phoenix at the time and she saw them um, and uh, yeah so that was so occasionally that does mm -hmm. that does happen um, uh, consider yourself lucky you know, if you get a, if you get to spot something with somebody else, yeah. So um, now, uh, who's seen? If you've seen the movie Contact, Jodie Foster. I I have seen that, but I don't remember it. I know I watched it when it was new. Uh, one of the early kind of opening lines um, that her dad, when she's just a little girl, and um, you know. Uh, Playing with radio telescope or like a transmitter, little hand, or, kind yeah, of a little thing. Um, shortwave radio, <laughs> and her, and her telescope with her dad, and um, and she asks her her dad, um, you know, if there's, you know, is there life out there, you know, somewhere, mm -hmm. and and her dad says, uh, I don't know, but if there if there isn't Seems like an awful waste of space. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Great line. And that ends up being um, uh, the, the closing line of the movie when um, after she's made contact and all that experience and, and uh, then she's talking to some kids and they're like, you know. And she's, yeah. She says the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big universe. universe. Yeah. Um. You know, one of the, in our recent workshop, one of the slides we had put up there is what's called the deep field. And uh, you can Google this image. It's a Hubble. It's an image from Hubble um, called the deep field. And what the, what the uh, astronomers, NASA, whatever, had, had done is they pointed this, the Hubble telescope, at what they figured was the darkest point in the night sky okay? okay so they try to in between the bajillion stars and stuff they found the darkest patch okay that they could and it's you know we're talking and now that pointing at that so um you're talking about you know just a you know a few pixels of the of the yeah. night skies is, is is what they're really they're focused that this telescope on and then they did, I think, a 
three week long exposure of just that one little piece of the sky. And what emerged out of that is astonishing. Tell us. Ah, over 10,000 galaxies. What? Each of them containing billions of stars shows oh uh, I know. Wow. I know. <laughs> if you're like, oh, oh my, my goodness, right? Now, are, you know, I look at that and I'm like, all right. Um, how can it be that, that somehow miraculously this little marble that we're on is the... The one. The, the one yeah. place in all of this where... Life exists. Uh, I find that pretty hard to. That seems like a really arrogant or myopic perspective. Um, I think it's almost more likely the reverse is true that the universe is teeming with life, that it's everywhere. And Places that even we wouldn't consider to be habitable, maybe not by us, right? Or, right, or not any sort humans. of density that that would survive here. But yeah, yeah, and and we can even when we look at our own planet. <laughs> I love the 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 Planet Earth series. And you've got a couple of the Planet Earth and Planet Earth 2 done by the BBC. And what a just spectacular imagery. And I can't believe the lengths that these photographers, you know, will sit in a duck line for, you know, in a box for six weeks, 16 Mm. hours a day just to get... You know, footage of a bird of paradise yeah. doing a ritual. Uh, amazing, amazing. And but one of the one of the episodes was on um, caves, mm-hmm. and they had gone deep, deep into the earth. And there's this footage of an underground river of sulfuric acid, hmm. and in this river. Of sulfuric acid, there's these crabs that live in the river of sulfuric acid. Wow. You wouldn't think that life could live in sulfuric, sulfuric acid. acid. No. I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, sometimes, you know, astronomers look out and they go, okay, well, uh, you know, Venus has got all this sulfuric acid rain or something like that. It's not an inhabitable planet. I'm like, well, huh? That could be like, that's crab heaven or something. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm so sure about that. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm not ready to get a summer home there yet, but, <laughs> you know, I think we're selling life a little bit short. And even though ecosystems can be very, very fragile and... Uh, disrupted through an invasive species or pollution or um, or even removal of a, of a species, you know, like removing wolves out of the equation and how that ends up deer populations and, and then yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So we found the there's this delicate balance of life when it comes to ecosystems. But life itself is phenomenally resilient. Yeah, you get little seeds that find some crack in a rock and grow into a tree and out of nothing. I mean, yeah, it's life finds a way to survive. Right. Well, and that's your example is a planet, but there are a lot of there's a lot of um, suggestion evidence that that even stars that there are there's life in stars in the stars um that and that that's what some of these visitations are actually from beings who who come from stars which 
is like, how does that work? It's not even a planet, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, to the point of like, well, um, yeah, well, uh, you know, we couldn't, human beings wouldn't survive in a sulfuric acid, but apparently these crabs do. Um, you know, a body that was of uh, a different density and energy level. The kind of thing that we see in our science fiction, the kind of thing that we um, is is taught um, in the various mystery schools and spiritual traditions of um, ascended masters and and higher forms of, of life. Um, yeah, who's to say? It's just we're talking about entities or beings that either A, maybe they don't have bodies, so mm -hmm. therefore... Yeah, it's just a theory kind just, of... Yeah. Then that's no problem for them to re reside uh, in a star because, mm -hmm. you know, maybe the star is their body, you know? So... Yeah. Um, um, or if they do have bodies, they're just they have they're adapted the, to, to that environment yeah to yeah. It, things that we would consider impossible to right. live but not for them yeah and so the, the 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 more diverse you can allow your mind to go in terms of what life might be like mm -hmm the easier it is to go to, to to look out at the sky at night and see this uh, see a tapestry of life mm -hmm. and that we're just we're a part of this yeah and yeah. that's a, I think that's an exciting thing and it's certainly with the like the the giddiness when I had that first experience um back in 2002 what made that so awesome was the sudden realization that we're not alone yeah and that there is not had no idea what it was even mm -hmm. to this day i don't know what you know but i knew that i could what i witnessed there was an indicator of we're not something, alone. Something, yeah. yeah, something bigger. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so you mentioned like mystery schools and things like that, and and there are a lot of teachings um, aligned with like ascension and things like that um, that talk about um, that many humans have star families or have like galactic families. So, um, and if you haven't heard of this before, it's just something that might be interesting to, again, like just stretching the, your perception of what could be possible. But if you imagine, like if you relate to yourself as having a soul and having guidance and having a higher self and and all these like higher aspects of who you are. And then this body is a physical incarnation on, on this planet. But um, that part of that uh, divine team that you have could be a benevolent star family. I don't know if you want to um, talk a little bit about that. Stardust. We're all just stardust. Uh, if we even look at... Um look at the various elements that we have on the periodic table where do they all come from this is a it's all stardust it's all this is the, the the stars that are out there um manufacture and throw out all the elements that we have um uh, present at, at our disposal um so in a sense even these the bodies that we have are all com comprised of these elements the, the current version is 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 mostly um carbon based and so this is where we have bodies that are that are made out of the stardust, um, and uh, there's let's say uh, the 
the beauty of, 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 of life. Imagine that, that um, and there's, there's, there's many uh, teachings and, and that indicate that hum, humanity here is a, uh, is a genetic hybrid of um, that we were seeded from life from elsewhere. So life itself didn't necessarily originate, originate here. Um, or life may have began its process on its own, let's say, um, in microbial format or something like that, but there were periodic um, plants. Mm -hmm. uh, when I say plants, meaning... Infiltrations yeah, um, or yeah, um, something. Yeah, um, like a garden would be, mm -hmm. and so there are galactic farmers, if mm -hmm. you will, that have inserted various different genetic species to this planet in a kind of growing it into what it is today, and this would help full help you know explain some of the the biodiversity that we we have because this is a you know there's the I mean, we have a lot of life forms on this planet mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that we wouldn't necessarily expect to find everywhere right okay you might have a there might be a planet with 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 actually two plants and three animals and that's you know, or it's a planet of in like it's like in Venus. Well, it's all inhabited by crabs. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's the only thing you can live there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that might be it. Uh, um, and and that somehow though, then that life form made its way here also. But of course, where it, the only place that it could survive from coming from Venus to here is. In a cave. In a cave. In a way, <laughs> way down deep. deep. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the only place it can, can be. And, and then um, when we look at, it, at what DNA is, and it's really just an information matrix that, is, that then uh, provides the organizational structure for matter mm -hmm. to form um, into complex systems. So the information content, does it not... Uh, is it not, the light from the stars that comes is an information beam mm -hmm. that then can encode DNA to actually produce certain life forms. So um, uh, I remember a, well, a fun contemplation I had at one, t one time to go to think about what a rare and precious gift it actually is to be here on earth in a body. Mm. That, uh, that all of us are from the stars and, and that we were the ones that were fortunate enough to be able to incarnate into a body and we originated from the stars. And so there's, what, 7 billion people on the planet. There's way more than 7 billion stars out there. So we're the lucky ones. Yeah. Well, I've heard this, that there's like, and I think you've said it and I've heard others say that there is like a, there are many beings who would love to be embodied on this planet right now. And it has a lot of attention from the galactics they're they're uh those who are able to tune in I, i've heard this very consistently that it's quite a show we're putting on here and <laughs> because we're going through such an intense period of change right now um planetarily and and within our humanity and within all sentient beings that yeah. we have a lot of attention and um i even saw one one person who was channeling Oh, I can't remember. It was some documentary of this guy who channeled a galactic presence. Um, and he they were like, what do you do for entertainment? And they're like, oh, we watch Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so well done. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, I, you know, I, um, and speaking of, like, channel material, some of this stuff is, is <laughs> uh, finds its way into our, 
into uh, mainstream culture um, that is our messages from from Star Family, if you will, and one of them would be uh, the whole Star Trek. Thanks to Gene Roddenberry for bringing this one. And um, now the and the original Star Trek series was well, it was revolutionary at the at the time, um, certainly popular. It went on to produce the Star Trek Next Generation, which is was quite a bit superior in many ways. Um, not the least of which is you got Jean Luc Picard. I mean, I don't know oh, him. <laughs> Patrick Stewart, Pat, Sir Patrick Stewart, who and um, as the captain of the Enterprise. And, oh, that's his character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know Patrick Stewart. Right. We. Okay. Every, he's, I mean. He's got to be one of the most like. He's like Sean Connery. Who doesn't like? Yeah. You know, who doesn't like Patrick Stewart? He's awesome in everything he does, and um, um, so he plays the captain of, of the Enterprise, and 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 so they they travel, you know, they're, they're traveling exploring um, the galaxy, and as part of the Federation, and they have protocols. Um. When they find a new, what's called an M-class planet that has a, um, a life there, and um, so they have uh, non-interference policies, particularly if the culture is pre-warp. I mean, pre-warp. Pre-warp, okay. which means they have not yet developed a warp drive or or a light speed engine. Okay, it wasn't. And it's not until you have a light speed engine that you're really able to explore. Okay. Because it's. Standard thrust or impulse drives will, yeah, it's difficult if not po- impossible to hardly get outside your own solar system. Okay. okay, you need a light speed engine in order to to get from star system to the star system. Okay. Okay. So if a culture is pre warp, then um, it's against protocol. So it's not about just going to all these different civilizations and go, wow, they're in the Stone Age, and here's a warp drive for you. Okay. I mean, you allowing, and it's part of honoring the evolution of each species and each planet to let it to grow up. Okay. And it's on its own. And um, there's wisdom and in, in merit, and that's actually the that is the the benign or benevolent approach, mm-hmm. and and to not not be so bold as to presume that you know the course that another species should should be taking. Yeah. You know, you allow them to find themselves in their own way. So, um, but once um so once a civilization it gets to up to that place where they're they're getting warp capability, then they come on the radar of the Federation, at which point then the Federation will um make contact they call first contact and uh, begin to evaluate that planet for inclusion into the federation of planets okay and but one of the stipulations is that um that planet must have achieved peace in its own on its own okay planet its own planet has to they have to get beyond war Okay. To be included in the Federation of Planets. Hey, I got you know. So you can see that. Wait a second. That sounds a little bit like maybe where we're at as a planet, and that why, while there are sightings and whatnot, in terms of some kind of a mass landing of us inclusion in some kind of galactic federation. Mm-hmm. of planets we're not quite mature or old enough yet mm. but we're getting there yeah and so um and we're getting cl- close um not quite there yet okay but we need to we need to give to find unity as as a people um uh, where you know races and creeds and and boundaries between nations no longer um, uh, we no longer uh, use violence as a means of 
yeah. resolving whatever conflicts. It doesn't mean you have to be conflict-free. That's not an expectation. But just the the ending of wars. And yeah. It's so interesting. There are so many different ways that you can take this conversation. So I do want to just take a moment to say if if you're enjoying this and there are different areas that you want to explore, it's such a big topic. Oh, please huge, huge. please contact me and, and we can always explore different things that are calling to you. Um, but one thing, I think if you go on the meditationconversation.com, there's like a contact button there. So you can contact me that way. Um, but when you talk about this, it, it, it seems that there's typically a lot of activity around like nuclear sites, for instance, that's where you get a lot of, um, a lot of sightings and there are there some people draw the link or or perhaps they've had communication right. with galactics who have said you know you the, the the nuclear piece is a big concern and um so there are a couple of, of ways that that can be you could we could think about that is um you know one the concern for earth itself and for humanity and and all sentient beings and uh-huh. and for the you know helping us help ourselves or helping us to protect ourselves um, but the other piece is you know there's a multi-dimension it's a multiverse as well so um, we have what we can perceive with our eyes and our telescopes and then there are you know dimensions that we don't have access to in that way and this is you know where consciousness comes into it and our ability to co- to connect through consciousness rather than through our senses, our traditional senses. And um, so it could be that, you know, we are actually affecting these life forms or some of them because we are neighboring dimensions. So we can't even see, um, and and they could be very close. And so when we're, you know, nuking (laughs) the planet, we're also harming, you know, even more than we can imagine. Right, and that's precisely the case. So, and it's one of the, we mentioned like warp, the warp drive, that's a, you know, that's a milestone marker in terms of, but the other one is atomic energy. So that'll get us, that's what's got us on the, on the radar. Mm. And so the, you know, the the great number of uh, sightings and, and interventions and things because mm-hmm. in the last century of the yes the development of nuclear power and yeah if we knew if we knew just how destructive we know what is how destructive it is in the dimensions that we can see yeah but in, in accordance with you know string theory m theory although that's not a it's not a perfect model but this this knowingness that there's other dimensions inter interwoven here sharing the same space of, mm-hmm. uh, as us what kind of life forms in, exist um yeah in adjacent dimensions that we cannot see mm-hmm. um that are sharing the same planet with us and yeah and, and nuclear nuclear devices destroy life in those dimensions as well so mm. yeah. yeah yeah it's that's a big deal yeah and and that's one of the things that would warrant um uh, an intercession or an, an intervention. Right. Because typically, you know, there's not, I mean, I, I, it's just interesting as you're talking about, like when you were saying, if you want to have contact, here are a couple of, here are your two steps. And, mm. and, um, or step three, <laughs> set up a nuke. You'll get yeah, right. <laughs> Go work on a nuclear base and you'll, you'll definitely have contact. But, um, but, um, the the um the telepathic piece is interesting as well because um like you mentioned that so many of these um beings are highly advanced and um and so i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the telepathic thing i i personally have not had i've never seen like a um a starship or or anything um I did see that that light that you know I, I saw a light in the sky not too long ago and um, and then and then didn't see it saw a very bright light and then didn't see it but um, but I haven't seen like a the form of of a, a starship or or anything and Michael knows that um, that I 
would love to. Like I, so many times we've been out in nature and, and I'm like, all right, call them in, Michael, come on, <laughs> summon them and, and nothing. But, um, but there is uh, telepathic communication is definitely a possibility. And I know that I have had, I, I mean, I remember when I was falling asleep a few months ago, I saw three um, faces that were not not from of this planet. I mean, I, I can't identify from where, but three distinct, and they like one came up and faded away, and then another came in and faded, and another came in and faded. Um, and that was it. But um, but it's I just want to open that door in case that's something that's not in in a listener's awareness that there could be, communication or, or um, that is uh, trying to happen just in thought and if you want to speak a little bit about that yeah we've, we uh, in a recent workshop you know we, we covered kind of the energetics the the toroidal field and and um, the kind of the role of vortexes uh, vortices uh, on earth and um now, not doesn't have to be in a vortex, but um, uh, there's the there's the the you know empty space is not exactly empty. It's it's full of energy and fields and mm-hmm. things, and so the the uh, around vortex locations, what you're going to have is this spiraling. Um, galactic or cosmic energy and fields that are actually easier to access because they're not shielded. Okay. There's less shielding, um, which makes it easier for our brain. Our brain is just an antenna. It's a tuner. Mm-hmm. And once we kind of get comfortable with this notion that the thoughts that we have aren't localized within um, our neurons, we're not self-generating thoughts. What we're doing is we have a we have a brain, which is a tuner, and it forms neural networks that allow us to access thought that is in the field. Mm. Okay. That Maybe. really flips things, I, like, it, to think it, of it, it that way. Yeah, yeah. and that's a different way mm-hmm. of understanding. It's like a receiver. Yeah, and so what you're, you're really just working your own antenna system. and But we all have... Um, that, and thoughts themselves are shared. So it's under this, it's, it's this model I'm kind of referencing here. Um, then uh, know that if, if I'm across town and I happen to be thinking about you, Kara, mm-hmm. that, that's actually a shared field, Okay. So if you were then, let's say, if you're not distracted or you're in a, okay, by something else, what would happen is you would start thinking about me too. And whether or not we're actually sharing the same thought, you see, that would be getting to more advanced levels of telepathy. Would, it would, that would start to come into much greater clarity where actually a, the thought form itself can be shared. Okay. Now, most of us, almost everyone here is, who's listening to has, is already familiar with this phenomenon, mm-hmm. yeah, right? And it's the, it's the phone rings, and it's like, oh, it's your, you know, your bestie from college or something across the country. You're like, I was just thinking about you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they, there yeah. they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you've been on the other side of that where all of a sudden you just... You call somebody up, and they're like, hey, I was just thinking about you. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, we've had other kinds of things where, have you ever just been playing a song in your in your head, and you walk into the store, and it's on the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's playing out the speakers there. Now, these are, this is part of that, this, what's happening in the greater field and what our brain is actually doing is tuning into the field, okay. and that's where it's 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 getting its information from, mm-hmm. and that's where thought is generated. 
this is uh, yeah this is why you have um, <laughs> it goes both ways you have what's called the wisdom of crowds where um, which is a whole fascinating uh, study where uh, where you can have non-experts within um, a crowd solving expert problems because they that somehow collectively as a, as a crowd they they're able to tap into to, like different people, people can, can tap, tap into, into different things points. and somehow the the crowd itself can solve a problem that no one individual mem huh. could, uh, member of the crowd could um uh you also have the <laughs> and the, the, the kind of the dark side of that is mob what you call mob mentality or stuff mm -hmm. like this and, and this is again where all of a sudden a mob will takes on its so own kind of thing. something they wouldn't do on their do own, but they Correct. get together and then, yeah. yeah. So um, this all points to this same kind of model of a non-localized mm -hmm. field uh, from which we are actually gaining information. Okay. And so then if we apply that to life outside of this planet, because when you, when you, th when you talk about that, I think of like the field like in the vicinity, you know, I mean, if you're thinking of like a group of people to, I mean, they, they have to be physically together for the examples that you're talking about, like a mob, you know, you mm -hmm. mm -hmm. need that localized. Right. So how does this apply? Well, um, the better you've actually, your neural network is, you can think of it as a, it's like a phased array antenna, which I, Hey, where's my whiteboard at? I have to <laughs> another time we'll maybe go into what that looks like. But um, so as you, through your own meditative practices, when you cultivate the stillness of your mind, it allows you to steer your antenna. Just because something is a galactic of of an origin doesn't mean its field isn't present here. It just it's just more subtle. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, the importance of having the quiet mind and then having the steerable antenna that you can then use to tune into that. So okay. it's just because um, it's not local doesn't mean it's not here. Okay. It's, okay. Now, most people, if you have a lot of metote in your mind and in a more, running at a more denser vibration, you gotta get you gotta get right up into a, a mob in order to. Okay. Yeah. In order to have that kind of effect, um, but this is why we practice mindfulness. This is why we practice meditation, and this is why we seek, you know, and spend our time in nature and the, mm -hmm. these things that help the cultivating the a peaceful state of mind, because it allows us then to really to to reach out mm -hmm. and touch someone from far and far away. Mm. That's wonderful. So let's just quickly recap. If you do desire contact, so it was... Um, okay, so one is to, to set the intention, really. Um, put, put your desire out there that you desire contact mm -hmm. um, or to see something. or um, And then two, it was spend... Time outside. Look at the sky. Yeah. 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 And, um, yep. And would, would you say that um, it helps to release any fear or resistance? Uh, always. Because when we talked about just setting your intention, it's, being open, it's about being open. Mm -hmm. And fear is a, is a closed state. Yeah. And so if you're afraid, then you're really not open. Yeah. So. Well, it was funny because I, I don't know if you remember, I shared with you that a few weeks ago I had a dream. It was just a dream, but uh, that I had, there was a ship above me and it was like oh. right, oh, right above me and, and it was so close and I was, and I just felt the fear come in and I felt myself close up and it just sped right off. It just disappeared and I was like, dang it. I really wanted that. <laughs> it was like, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. It was just uh, such an automatic like thing. But yeah, I remember I was laughing when you told me that story. I'm laughing again as you recount it. Um, and uh, um, let's see, we just, we do have to laugh at each, 
yeah. each other. We laugh at ourselves for sure. Right. And because there's so many, so many people you say, okay, if you really walked out in your backyard and a big old, you know, flying saucer, like literally just like came down and landed in your backyard. Yeah. I mean, there's very few of us. That would be like, <laughs> it wouldn't oh, be like cool. goofing our pants. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? No, it'd be like, you know, it, it'd be our like, you know, our eight-year-old kids that are running out and going, cool, yeah, right? Yeah. And as, a, yeah, as adults, we're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, don't feel bad if you have that kind of a response when you, yeah. when you see something. Um, and uh, uh, it's... It's okay, but we don't. You don't need to go in. You know, it, it, don't need to go into it that way. Are you not? Going yeah, in? yeah, not. Yeah. yeah, do do your best. Yeah, right. Do your best. Well, what a great topic! Thank yeah, you. This was fun. Yeah, uh, this was fun. And like I said, I re- I reinforce what I said. If there are things that that you want to hear about, and this on this topic or on other topics, if you have things that you want me to ask Michael on your behalf, I'm happy to do that, um, or on any other topic. So. And thank you for listening. Please share this episode or rate, review, subscribe. All of that helps to generate more energy for the podcast. So thank you for your support. And I look forward to the next meditation conversation.